McGee is with us. Joe McGee is a great friend. Um, I believe he's one of the best teachers, one of the best encouragers in the body of Christ. Uh, if you come discouraged today, you, I believe, will not leave discouraged. If you come disappointed, I don't believe you're going to leave disappointed. I believe that, that, that God has got some great things. Um, and I know this over the years that our church has always been better when we've had after, you know, We've been better because of the, I don't know how to say, it. we've been better after you go. But anyway, uh, we've, we've been better after Joe ministers. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that God gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher for the perfecting of you and me or the maturing of you and me, but it's so we can carry out the work of the ministry. And so I believe that Joe is a joint of supply. I believe that he's going to minister something to this congregation this morning that is going to bless you, that is going to impact you, that, but, but more so that it is going to equip you and give you some things that you can take into the world that you go into. And before I turn it over to him, let me ask you one last quick question. I'm even like seconds. I mean, like, if you had a bowl of ice cream, don't you kind of want, like, a little bit more? Amen. Thanksgiving is coming up. Praise God. We want, you know, seconds on mashed potatoes and gravy and dressing and all of those things. Well, tonight you can have seconds. Tonight at 6 o'clock, Brother Joe is going to be ministering here. We have children's ministry that will be happening as well. I would highly recommend and encourage you to take tonight and, and just make it a date night with your spouse. Make it a, a family night with your kids. Your kids will be ministered to and blessed. Blessed, Pastor Steph is ready for them, and uh, we'll be blessed in here. So Joy Christian Center, would you put your hands together? Give Joe McGee a great big hand as he comes this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Well, there's a lot of you out there, aren't there? Parking lot's full. Thank you, Pastor. Well... God bless Minnesota. Well, are we in Wisconsin? Where are we at? Well, God bless Minnesota. Well, that's not much. Now, I travel everywhere in America, go somewhere different every weekend. And I share this every time I speak. You know, uh, I was an Okie for 42 years. And uh, I'm a Floridian now. And that's where Gene is going to come first. And so I love Florida, and uh, but we used to go to Texas a lot. So I don't care where you're at in Texas. If you say God bless Texas, anywhere, Fort Worth, Dallas, a revival is going to break out. <laughs> They're going to jump up and scream and yell and <laughs> shout. It's like I said, well, sit down. I'm glad you love Texas. I said, well, I personally, I'm an Okie. The greatest thing about being an Okie is whipping a Texan. And we'd rather whip you than anybody. That's what we think about you. And they would just stare at me like you're staring right now. <laughs> so God bless Minnesota. Amen. Now, uh, going to the book of Matthew this morning. It's a real good book. Um, I got a big family. I was dropping babies like rainwater out of heaven, and I wanted a big family. Uh, my dad had 12 brothers and sisters. My father-in-law had 12 brothers and sisters. So we grew up in a big family. We had kids, not because we wanted kids. We had kids to put them to work. So my grandfather had a 400-acre farm in Turtletown, Tennessee. It's in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we had one country store, and that was it. So you had babies to put them to work. My grandmother 
got married when she was 15, had her first baby before she turned 16. And she just dropped them like rainwater out of heaven. And people would ask me, said, uh, we'd travel around, even when I had six kids, we'd go into a restaurant somewhere and somebody would say, all these yours? I said, what? All these yours? Yeah. Are you Catholic? <laughs> I said, no. Are you Mormon? <laughs> I said, no. I said, what are you? I said, we're backsledding Baptist. I said, well, what's all these kids? We wanted them. We had them to put them to work. And uh, I liked a big family. I always wanted a big family. Now, I only have one sister, no brothers. When my dad got married, he got tired of looking for a, a biscuit to eat and a pillow to sleep on and some shoes to wear. So he said, listen, God made two kinds. I want one each, and that's it. So uh, I got one sister, and that's it. So when I got married, I'm, I'm going to reverse this thing. I'm going to drop them like rainwater out of heaven. And uh, so my first baby, I hoped was going to be a boy. And it wasn't. It was a girl. And uh, it was an ugly girl. She came out face first. You ever seen kids come out face first? It's ugly. <laughs> and then she had a big purple spot on her head. And everybody's so excited when she came out. I thought, oh, dear Lord. She'll be living with me when she's 50. Nobody's going to marry that face. <laughs> and so the purple spot went away, and her face chafed out. And she's, she's a beautiful woman. She's a college professor today and uh, uh, 46, 47 years old. And, uh, got a great life and is a beautiful woman. So a few months, years later, we had another baby. So well, this time it'll be a boy. Well, it's another girl. Mm. Mm. Third baby, another girl. Now, this is back when you didn't know what it was that popped out. We didn't have all the technology you have today. So I thought, well, dear Lord. So I went to the library and did some research, and I realized, well, the, the sex of the baby is based on the man, not the woman. I thought, evidently I have no male genes in me. And so we had a fourth one, and it was another girl. <laughs> and then I had a fifth one, and it was another girl. Yep, that's all. Family line's dead with me. That's all. No going to be any more McGee's. Well, the sixth one popped out, and he had a thing. <laughs> and I danced all over that room. I finally got me a male child. I get to go down the other side of Toys R Us for the first time in my life. <laughs> And so those girls trained him upright. He, he, he knew how to date and who not to date and what to say, what not to say. So he had five older sisters that trained him properly. He married good, married a great gal. They just had their second baby. And so uh, for years, my children wouldn't have any children. I thought, what did I do? You, you don't want any kids? Not now. Really? Not now. Well, I want, I, want, I want some grandkids. So years went by and I didn't have any. Well, today we've got eight and number nine's on the way. So they finally kicked into gear and, and the freight train's rolling, and, and they're dropping. So for those of you that it's not happened yet, be patient. It's going to happen. It will. Whether they like it or not, it's going to happen. They're going to show up. Or somebody else going to show up, and they can raise them. That happens a lot. And so I come from a big family, so we got them that uh, married a long time, married five times, got one aunt, been married seven times, just couldn't find the right man. I said, no, you can't. <laughs> It's not the wrong man you keep marrying. It's you. You keep marrying you. You attract you, and you're not any good. And so she finally married my Uncle Willie. He was the seventh one, and so she stuck with him. And uh, he was he was good to her. He was an alcoholic and stayed drunk all the time, skin and bone, didn't weigh 100 pounds. But he's real good with money. So they had a little country store out in Texas and made a lot of money, and, and he blessed us. So she had a lot of plastic surgery and, and um, 
And so I'm the family preacher, so I marry and bury everybody. And so they come and say, well, your Aunt Teach died. Can you come do the funeral? I said, yes. I'm supposed to be in Nashville, so Saturday I got to fly down to West Texas to do this funeral. So I haven't seen Matt in years. And so, so I go to the church, and she belonged to a lot of organizations, a lot of women around there. So I go look at her in the cast, and I thought, oh, that's not my aunt. They, they buried their own person. That's not my aunt. And there was a lady next to the casket. I said, that's my aunt. Well, no, that was her daughter. And so my aunt had so much plastic surgery. I don't know if you've ever seen people. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't a wrinkle on her face, man. She was tight. I mean, that body, it's still not wrinkled. It's still in the casket somewhere tighter than ever. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, have mercy, help us. And so people uh, said, you're having plastic surgery? She said, no, I'm going just like I came. I'm just trying to wear the thing out. One day I'll get a new body and it'll be good. And so I love this life and uh, I want to live it to the fullest. Uh, you know, you and I were fortunate to be born in the last days, whether you believe that or not, but Israel became a nation in 1948. And uh, God said, well, 100 years from now, Jesus is going to come back. So 1948, 2048, back off seven years of tribulation. Oh, about, you know, 42, 43, and we're going to go home. And so that's a short sermon. So I get my kids together every year. Every year we get together and we talk about end times. They come to the house, they cook a big dinner. We're going to talk about where you're at because you need to be ready. You really need to be ready. You know, don't, don't think it's not going to happen because it, it's going to happen when you least expect it. The Bible said you won't even know it's coming. And boom, we'll be gone. So be ready. You start laying up treasure in heaven, not down here, but in heaven. How you treat one another, how you talk to one another, be nice. And so with that in mind, we'll jump into the sermon. It has nothing to do with that. Matthew chapter 20, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I have not left the King James, but I don't speak King James. I study it, but don't speak it. So this is New Living Translation. So this is Jesus toward the end of his ministry. And um, I'm in Matthew chapter 20, uh, jumping around verse uh, 017. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priest and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die. They will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Now, if you're any kind of theologian, you realize the, the apostles never did understand this. They thought Jesus would come back to establish the kingdom but it's not this kingdom here. They thought, well, he's going to kill all the Romans. We'll get to take back over our land and get this property back. No, 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 no. They just couldn't get it. So he's told them again, okay, guys, let me explain again what's going to happen so you won't be shocked. Well, as soon as he finished saying that, the very next verse, then, right after he finished his sermon, because there are several people around him, then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt down respectively to ask a favor. What is your request, Jesus asked. Now, uh, Jesus had several women that traveled with him. Um, people don't understand this, but uh, I'll give it to you in a little bit. Uh, several women traveled with him. They went ahead. They got places for them to stay. They had food prepared and cooked. He had a big staff. Uh, the Bible says, you know, Jesus laid down his glory in heaven, took on the body of a man. Yes, he did. But he didn't give up everything. Now, Jesus created the universe. Everything you see, the limitless stars of heaven, he created all that. He laid down his glory and took on the body of a man. He didn't become poor. He was not a poor man. 
They owned a they owned a big Home Depot. They made furniture and stuff. He he was uh, when they when they he was crucified on the cross. The Roman soldiers gambled for his coat because it was an expensive coat. He didn't wear cheap clothes. He didn't eat junky food. He was a businessman, very successful. Most people don't get that, but if you just read your Bible, it'll explain that. So she comes down. She knew in front of because she respects. She knew who is this? This guy's the son of God. I'm not sure what's going to happen. This is him. This is the one. And so she knelt down. What's your request? She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what it is you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, the boys replied, we are able. What Jesus told them, well, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. My father has prepared those places uh, for me in heaven. So I don't have a say, so my father's going to pick that. Well, then he goes in. When the other ten disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. That means they're mad. What's your mama? You got your mama here to ask favors for you? You got your mama here? Well, at least my mama loves enough to be here. Where's your mama at? It's understood. He says, so they got mad. He said, listen, you know, when the rulers of this world lorded over the people, officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And so I just want to pick on the, I want to pick on the, Zebedee's wife. Well, this is what it's about. This mom has come to ask something. When you come to the place of honor, I want my boys to have special places. It's like, well, why would she even think that? Well, we got to back up a chapter. This is interesting. Chapter four, the day before, actually. The day before, Jesus is talking, explaining what's going to happen. And he's talking about the end time again. But Peter said to him, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. What are we going to get out of it? I mean, you know, we ain't seen any paychecks. We're getting a lot of free food. People are nice to us. But, hey, what do we get out of this deal? <laughs> They're asking. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne. You who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones. Who heard that? Mama did. Well, there's 12 of us, 12 apostles, two of my, there will be 12 thrones. Well, two of my boys are going to be on thrones. He said it. There will be 12 thrones. Two of my boys will sit on two thrones. Well, if we're going to sit somewhere, let's just get in the closest spot and get the ones right next to Jesus. So she's not thinking arrogantly. She's thinking like a mother. What mama doesn't want the best for her kids? Every mama wants the best for the kids. So I said, but many who are greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. And so we're starting a journey. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to jump around here just a little bit. Go over to Mark chapter 1 you got to back up how this all started. started with Jesus showing up, silent night, holding out, we through kings of Orinar, wise men showed up, you know, Mary and Joseph had to take the baby, go up to Egypt, to Herod died, they came back. They made a movie about it, it's real good. So Mark chapter 1, verse 16, one day as Jesus was walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they were fishing for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. 
A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once. They also followed him and leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now, I've watched this many Easter movies and movies about Jesus. I thought, well, that's just a sorry thing to do. We do. We were fishermen. My dad was a fisherman. His, my grandfather was a fisherman. We do this for a living. We're real good at it. All of a sudden, some guy comes walking around in real nice coats. Hey, come on with me. We're going to start a ministry. And so they dropped everything to follow him. They dropped everything, dropped their nets, and they took off. And so I'm asking Dad, like, well, where are you going? We're following the guy in the nice coat. We're tired of fish. We stink all the time. We're wore out, and we're going with the guy in the nice coat. And they left. And it's like, well, that's not right. That's not American. That's not Christian. We're just dumping rum. We, where are you going? And what kind of, Jesus says that he takes grown many. Where are you going? And so what you got to realize, it's not just like that. You know, uh, they been out fishing. They came back with a big catch of fish. And so it says Zebedee was left with his other workers. He Zebedee was not a little old puny fisherman. I got a little boat. We're going to catch some fish. No, he owned a fleet of boats. He owned a big business, just like Jesus was a very successful carpenter with a big business. These are not little puny people like the Christian movies that showed us. You got to read the book. These people are getting stuff done, lots of people. And so Zebedee was left with his other guys. It's okay. Well, you two leave. You know, I got other guys. And so they left. So go over to Mark chapter 3. <laughs> Mark chapter 3, uh, Jesus is picking a staff, and he's going through this thing. I'm just going to jump in about halfway through uh, chapter 3. And um, oh, around uh, verse 15. And Jesus went up to a mountain and called the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. And then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They're about to be set aside. Lots of people are following Jesus, but he's about to pick his staff. And the fathers talked to him, this other scripture, we'll pick Andrew and pick Matthew. He's picking the ones his father told him to pick. This wasn't him. He's doing what his father in heaven is telling him to do. So he picks all of them. He says, and then he appointed 12 apostles and called his apostles, and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. So this is not a normal bunch. They're going to lay hands on the set. They're going to raise the dead. They're going to cast out devils. It's about to get busy. So here's the 12 that he chose. Simon, who he surnamed, he named Peter. I don't like that name. I'm going to change your name to Peter. You're a rock. And so all the names meant something. I don't have time to go at that this morning, but every name meant something. So he's, he's changed a few names. Then James and John, the sons of thunder, uh, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Of all 12 apostles, Jesus only gave nicknames to two people, James and John. What do you call them? Sons of thunder. Well, you're the sons of thunder. You got biker vests, put them on, sons of thunder. Oh, your mama's son of thunder. And so of all the, the 12, two had special names, James and John. Well, why would Jesus do that? Because he knew what they were like. Now, I don't hire wimpy men. These are not little wimpy Christians. These men are chop your head off, cut your ear off. I'll put it back on. They're going to do it. These aren't normal people. You have to read the Bible in context. These are get it done people. This is God's son picking the staff that's going to change the known world. You understand? Hell thought it was in charge, but oh, something's about to crack. Woo, so uh, I'm going to Luke chapter 9. I'll give you this. This is a great one. I'll just throw this in for free. Luke chapter 9. 
Jesus, things are winding down. He's got his staff. Uh, verse 51, Luke chapter 9. As the time drew near for Jesus to ascend to heaven, so once again, it's getting close for him to die, go to the cross, come out and go to heaven. It's getting close. As it came time for him to go to heaven, uh, 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 Jesus resolutely had set his mind on Jerusalem. We're going to Jerusalem. So he sent messengers ahead uh, to Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. He's not in Jerusalem. He's going to stop in Samaria. Samaritans hated the Jews, hated all Jews. So he's going to stop in Samaria. And so, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. They don't want you here. We don't want you here. We have no place where you get out of here. Go on, go away. Well, the next verse, 54, says, when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call fire down from heaven and burn them up? Well, no, boys, we're not going to do that just now. We're going to leave the fire in heaven right now. <laughs> These are not your wimpy people. These are the sons of thunder. They earned their name. Jesus knew what they were like. We're going to, you're going to try to call fire to heaven and burn everybody up. No, we're not going to do that. It's not right now. Put that back in your pocket. We're not going to burn anybody up. But they were the sons of thunder. And so keep that in mind. So back up to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and giant crowds pressed into him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats by the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the front of the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, well now, let's go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Well, now everybody knew everybody. Who's that? That's Jesus. He owns a carpenter shop. He owns a local Home Depot. Very successful guy. But he didn't know anything about fishing. If he did, he wouldn't be asking to go out because the fishermen, if you ever go to Israel, they fish, the Sea of Galilee, they fished in the shallow at night. The fish would come in to feed at night in the shallow. The, you, fish, you fish for fish in the shallow at night, not in the deep in the day. Nobody, there's no fish in the deep in the day in the Sea of Galilee. So he said, the let Jesus said, let's go out where it's deeper and let down your nets for catching fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night. They fished at night. We've worked hard on it and didn't catch a thing. But he knows everybody's staring at him. He said, but if you say so, you know, I'll let down the nets again. This time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. They, a shout for help brought out their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and they were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell down to his knees before Jesus said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. And there were others with him, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Jesus also replied, Don't be afraid. If known, you're going to be fishing for people. And soon they landed and they left everything and followed. So you've got to kind of tie all the scriptures together. What happened? Well, they're out there fishing. What'd you do? Well, we got two boatloads of fish. We never caught so many fish. So when Zebedee gets back to shore, he's got two boats packed with fish. It was a good payday. Things were good. Getting new tennis shoes for the kids. Mom's going to get a new dress. We're probably going to the choir tonight. We're going to go to the opera or whatever. So it's a good day. I don't care if my two sons left. It's a good day. I've got so many fish. We're going to be drying these fish for the next week. It's a good day. 
And so what happens? Well, they realize this is normal. Now, all the apostles-to-be are watching this. They realize, hey, this guy's something else. He's different. So what I'll do, um, I'm going to give you something. This is something. This is, uh, I used to teach high school kids years ago, and I realized uh, high school kids are different. And uh, I was the head of a Christian school. That doesn't mean anything. That means parents have a lot of money to put their kids in this private school. And so I would teach chapel every day. We had 750 students. So I'd have chapel for the high school, just me. And I had a, call, a class called Biblical Worldview, just me. So they come in there and it's like, we got stuff going on. And I realized that nobody's reading their Bible. I would tell them, so turn to Matthew chapter four, you know, verse eight, and people in the front row, Christian kids and a very expensive Christian kid would turn to one and say, what page is that on? What page is that on? It's like, it's Matthew Goober. What's the matter with Matthew? <laughs> so by Thursday, I'm so frustrated. These are Christian kids in expensive Christian school, and they don't even read their Bibles. Like I said, turn to Hephaniah chapter 4, verse 2. And people are flipping pages, and I can see them talking. And so the next day, Friday morning, come to class, and one senior came in. Hey, Mr. McGee, there's not a Hephaniah in the Bible. That's right, son. That's how stupid you are. It's only 66 books. Learn the book. Volume two is not coming out. God, stick with volume one. Read the book. That was deep, wasn't it? <laughs> so anyhow, uh, I've got about eight minutes, so listen carefully. All this is going on. The wife of Zebedee's asked crazy favor. So, the body of Christ. Jesus goes to heaven. About 13 years later, things start to happen. They're preaching the gospel all over the planet. It's just incredible. It's spreading everywhere. And so Nero's mad. And so James gets arrested. So uh, Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. About this time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute believers in the church. He had the apostle John, the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. So the first apostle dies. He goes to heaven. So in heaven, I read back, Jesus said, in heaven, he's got his throne. Around him are 12 other thrones. He said, my 12 apostles sit on thrones with me in heaven, and they'll rule with me in heaven. Well, the first guy to show up in heaven is James. <laughs> so have a seat, son. So you got 12 empty seats. First seat gets filled, James. So you go through the Bible, and they're being beheaded and crucified upside down and beat to death. And so all of a sudden, 11 chairs get filled up. We got one empty chair left. One empty chair left. Well, in the process, I'm going to read this thing. Hebrews chapter 11, and this is not something you read late at night, it'll depress you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. It's the good and the bad. Verse 33. By faith, people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword, their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle, put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Well, I read that story. That preaches good. That all preaches good. Well, there's other stories. Then it goes on to say, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be saved. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed by the sword. 
Psalm 1 about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering around in deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. It was a big world. Hebrews says some people received deliverance. Some did not. You know, those that suffer for the gospel received a greater reward in heaven. And we don't preach that. It won't sell books, but it's in the Bible. Yeah, it's in there. So, one more side note. The women that followed Jesus. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Luke 8, 1 through 3. Women who followed Jesus, soon afterward, Jesus began... He started a tour in nearby towns and villages, starting down by the Sea of Galilee. He went about preaching and announced the good news about the kingdom of God. He took 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Right out of the Bible. Right out of the Bible. Other women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them was Mary Magdalene, whom he had cast out seven demons. Who's your people you got? Well, they've been delivered and killed and raised from the dead. I got a good staff with me. They've all been through hell. Everybody's been through some kind of hell. Everybody's in some kind of hell. We're trying to get redeemed from it. <laughs> oh, that's deep. Joanna, the wife of Herod's business manager, who's she? Well, her husband works for Herod. The God's killing everybody. You're kidding. No. And Susanna, many others uh, who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. I'll jump to Matthew 25. Many women, this is at the cross, Jesus is hanging on the cross. Many women had come from Galilee with Jesus, who had come from Galilee with Jesus. They were there from day one, three and a half years, had been with him the whole time to care for him, were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Who was there? Well, this mama, she's been there from day one. She's followed him, she's left everything. Her husband was a successful businessman, but she left. She's following Jesus. Who else is with you? Other women that have been redeemed, delivered, healed, devils cast out of them. It's a, it's a great bunch. They're working for Jesus. Now, I'm just going to take this. I'll do this real quick. Mary Magdalene, an unmarried woman who had been tormented by seven demons who Jesus had delivered. A woman of financial independence. This is right out of the Bible history books. A woman of financial independence who ministered, used that money to minister uh, to Jesus and his disciples. She's the only person mentioned in the Gospels who witnessed Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. She was there when he died, when he came back, when he went to heaven. There are some incredible important women in the Bible. Now, I got five daughters, and I wanted to know who they are in him, in whom, and in Christ. You're not second-class citizens. When you get married, that old boy better know who he married, and I'll let all my son-in-laws know. You're marrying up, son. Don't try to mess with this woman. She knows who she is in him, in whom, and in Christ. And she will put you in her place real quick because she loves you. And it's not the sissy love, it's the God love. Well, it gets quiet when you say that. I love that. <laughs> Joanna. <laughs> she was married to the guy who was working for King Herod. She was a wealthy and influential woman who had been healed by Jesus. She's one of several women who told the 11 apostles that Jesus had been risen from the dead. Where was she at when Jesus came out of the grave? Where'd she come from? Well, her husband works for Herod. He, he's killing and messing and chopping heads off. Who's she married to? Well, I mean, old man, but she got, she got saved. She's ministered to Jesus now. She was a wealthy woman. She's using her money to help Jesus now. I mean, they had big paychecks back then. People don't understand. This isn't something you see on TV. Then Susanna. Well, this is a good one. She's among a group of women who ministered to Jesus and provided for the contribution of their ministry from their own wealth. Again, Jesus was not poor. 
I don't care how many movies you've seen, he was not poor. He knew who he was. The things I do shall you do also. And greater things than these shall you do because I'm going to my Father. So, go to the last book of the Bible. It's a real good one. So I close with this. Revelation chapter 1. This is John. Got the 12 thrones around Jesus' throne, 11 of the seats have got somebody in it. The 12 seats still empty. Who's not there? John's not there. He's still on earth. You know, the, most historians will say they tried to boil John in oil, but he wouldn't boil. Well, he won't boil. So he scared everybody. So they took him out and they put him in the Isle of Patmos. Put him out there away from everybody. He's scary. So while he's out there, he writes this book called Revelation. Verse 1. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, whom God gave to show uh, the servants the events uh, that will soon come to pass. He sent an angel to present this revelation to the servant John, talked about himself, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. God blesses the one who reads the words and prophecy to the church. He blesses all who listen to the message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Now, I'm reading from the New Living, but the King James says, of all the 66 books of the Bible, there's only one that promises a blessing with it. Jesus said, blessed are those who read and understand the words of this book. Not the other 65 books. Only one of the 66 books of the Bible has a blessing attached to it. It's revelation. It's how it ends. It ends good. When I married Angel, she and I are so different. We're, we're a perfect match. We're not, we don't agree on nothing. And, uh, and so we're going to sit down and watch an old movie one time. And so we're sitting down. And it's got a big, big screen TV. Angel doesn't care anything about furniture, but she likes a big screen TV. So we're sitting down. So we sit in two ladies in chairs. I said, what's this movie? She named it. I've never heard of it. And so this music's coming. It's coming on. I said, how does it end? She said, what? I said, how does the movie end? So I'm not going to tell you. Then I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch a movie unless I know how it ends. Well, that's crazy. No, no, I don't. I'm not going to waste two hours and watch the good guy die and get beheaded and chopped off and go broke. I don't watch stupid. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for the issues of life. I don't watch stupid. I don't listen to stupid. I don't sing stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. That's in a famous movie, by the way. So the letter from John to the, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace be to you for the one who was, who is, and is to come. Whoa. He is the faithful witness to these things. The first to rise from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and been a friend for us and forgive us of our sins, shedding his blood for us. He has made us kingdom priest. God, God be all the glory and the power forever and ever. Look, he comes in the clouds of heaven. Everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. All the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lord says. I am the one who is, who was, and always will be. I am the Almighty One. Then he jumps into this. I am John, your brother, and your partner in the suffering for God's kingdom and then the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was on the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the spirit. Now, of course, yeah, when he's been beaten, he tried to boil an oil, and they stuck him on this island. What are you doing out there? Well, I was worshiping on the Lord's day. I've been beaten, I've been boiled, I've been persecuted, and I've been stuck on this island. What are you doing? I was worshiping on the Lord's day. Doesn't matter where you're at, you need to be worshiping. 
Because God inhabits praise, not gripes, not cussing, not crying, not complaining. God inhabits praise. God goes where he gets thanked. We need to thank him more. He'll show up more. Oh, that was deep. He says, I was listening to the Lord's day, and suddenly behind me I heard the sound of a loud trumpet blast. And it said, write in the book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So he sent this up all the churches. Now, one verse left. The end of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 12. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all the people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. What are we trying to do? Well, go back to the beginning of the story. Some mama got down on her knees and asked Jesus, well, there's going to be 12 thrones around yours. My boy's going to sit on two of them. We're going to sit on two of them. I want the two closest ones. And she asked Jesus, can you let my son sit in place about a one on your left, one on your right? Just I can't say that. Only my father picks that. Well, they all live their life. Eleven of them get chopped, beheaded, stoned, burnt to death. They're all in the throne. Eleven seats have been filled. They're in heaven. They're in heaven sitting around the throne of Jesus. One seat's empty. Well, they send John, John the Isle of Pemmons, writes the book of Revelation. What's going to happen? Well, eventually John dies of old age. He goes to heaven. All of a sudden, John shows up and sits down in the 12th seat. There they are. They're all 12 there. What are you trying to tell me? Well, Mama, I ask a favor. Jesus, when you come into your glory, will you let my son sit one on your left, one on your right? But one day when you get to heaven, you look for the 12 thrones around Jesus' throne. James sitting on one side. John sitting on the other. Mama got what she asked for. We don't ask enough. We don't ask high enough. We don't ask big enough. God will do everything we ever ask. He'll do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all we will ask or think. We need to think bigger. The world's trying to make us think smaller. Lord, I hope we make it through. I hope it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. We're living the greatest days of human history, the last days when God's spirit is poured out without measure. Yeah, there's stuff going on in the world. The Bible said, Jesus said, there'll be trials and tribulations, wars and rumors of wars. Even Jesus said that, but not us. We're the salt and the light. We're giving water to the thirsty, food to the hungry, visiting people in prison. We're helping orphans and widows. We are what's happening. Don't feed on the world. Feed on God. Make sure you stay in church. The Bible says the last days approaching, don't forsake this assembling of yourselves together. There's never been an important, more important day to be in church than now. I tell my kids once a year, I sit down and preach the same sermon to them. You better be in church. You better be serving, paying the tithes, worshiping God, thanking Him. Get on your face, pray every day, Father. I'm, every day I pray for, my, pray for America every day. Pray for all those in authority. Every day I pray for my nation. I pray for America. Father, I pray for all those in authority in our federal, state, and local government. I pray for my president. I didn't vote for him. I wouldn't vote for him in a million years. <laughs> but I pray for him every day. Father, give him wisdom. Surround him with divine favor. Send labors across his path. Talk to him when he goes to sleep. When he gets up and he walks through the day. Do not ever leave him nor forsake him. I pray for my president every day. I pray the same prayer every day. Why? Because I'm going to tell God. God said, if I pray for those authority, I will live a quiet and peaceful life. And all God is not. You worried about the world? No, because I pray for the authority every day. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem every day. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, God bless Jerusalem. Bring your people home from the north, south, east, and west. Bless Israel, Lord. Bless them in Jesus' name. 
So I know what to pray because I want to I be here when the trumpet sounds. And I'm kidding my whole family. I told my whole family, I'll be here when Jesus comes back. Not the second coming, but when he comes in the air. You know, we're going to rise to meet him in the air. That's not the second coming. That's, the, that's that mid thing. So you want to make sure you don't get caught unawares. You want to make sure you're busy. What are you doing? Well, I was mowing the grass, doing the dishes, taking care of the laundry, and, you know, going to church, raising my kids, hugging my spouse, sucking lips off their face, just, just enjoying life. Jesus said, occupy until I come. Don't be caught up in all the goofiness going around you. It's not you. We're the light and the salt. We're what's happening. Just go be a blessing. Every day you get up, Lord, put me in somebody's life to be a blessing today. I want to be a blessing to everybody I meet. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. So Father, I pray in the last days, Lord, wherever we're at, put us in the middle of your will. Don't put us on the left or the right, but put us in the middle of what you're doing, Father. We want to be in the middle of your will in the last days. For that, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just for one short minute, 60 seconds, nobody looking, nobody moved, one short minute. Two questions. Are you here today and say, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never asked him into my heart. But I think God's been dealing with me, and I'd like to do something about that today. Well, if that's you, I would like to pray a 30-second prayer out of Romans over you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward. Men do not save men. God saves men. But if that's you, in just a few seconds, I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand, wave it at me, and put it right back down. I'm going to see it. God's going to see it. If you're willing to acknowledge you need a Savior, God in heaven will save you right where you stand. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. God will make you a new creature in Christ. Or perhaps you're here today and say, well, Joe, I'm saved. I just haven't been living for God lately like I should. Well, if that's you, you can pray the exact same prayer out of Romans. We're going to pray with these other people, and God in heaven will forgive you every sin you've ever committed in a moment of time. He said he will take your sin as far as the east is from the west. He'll put your sin in the depths of the sea. There'll be no record of your sin in heaven, and God will make the devil pay back seven times whatever he stole from him. It will never get easier than this. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you said, Joe, that's me. I need to get born again today. Would you pray that prayer with me? Or Joe, that's me. I need to rededicate my life. If that's you on either count right now, would you simply get your hand up, wave it down, and put it back down? Joe, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you there. Thank you, brothers. Thank you there. Anyone else? Thank you there. Yes, sorry, hand right. Thank you back there. Thank you over there. Anyone else? It'll never get easiness. God does the saving. He does the forgiving. He just needs our, yes, I see your hand right there. He just needs our permission. Anyone else? Joe, I'm not raising my hand yet. Please include me in your prayer. Yes, I saw that hand right there. Anyone else? All right. Yes, right there. I saw your hand just go up right there. All right. Anyone else? All right. Hands down, heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what we're going to do. Those of you that raised your hands, we're going to pray with you, and God's going to do the two greatest miracles he can do. He's going to save souls and forgive sins. So people, let's help them pray. Everybody in here say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me, and you raised him from the dead. I ask him now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith. 
with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for the hands that went up this morning, either for the first time ever or as a simple reaffirmation of their faith in you, according to your holy word and their obedience, as right now they are cleansed, forgiven, blood-bought, born-again children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil's not their Lord anymore. They are your sheep. You're their shepherd. They're going to hear your voice, and the voice of a strange they will not follow. Lord, as they lead today, surround them with a shield of divine favor. May people begin to look at them with a new set of eyes. And Father, bring labors across their path to strike iron and cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. We thank you for them in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God is good. And all the time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, go be some light. Go be some joy. Go bring some peace and love and life to this world around you. And let's all come back tonight at 6 o'clock ready to worship God together. Amen. Have a great afternoon. We will see you tonight. God bless.